get more serious now more serious than money to get more serious in terms of intellectual stimulation let's phrase it that way okay i have a question for you and then i will give you a quote as to why i'm asking that question oh i like quotes okay so the question is where does judgment come from and the quote um, or was I supposed to answer? I'm waiting for an answer, and then I'll tell you the quote, and then you oh, can that's expand. what you wanted. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't rehearse this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a very uh, Socratic question. Where does judgment come from? But it's kind of like a, uh, a physiological question. I love this one, because judging is a thing. I think it comes from our brain like let me let me see if i can chunk this down into values into small pieces so i think we have an operating system and um the operating system uses tools and one of those tools is 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 the brain and in order for the brain to be of service to us it has to decide things so we don't die i think that's the base level of the body the instinctive nature, you know, just at the animalistic core part of us, we're, we're not dying as much. Like we, we don't want to die. We want to survive. And that, that's a, a main, uh, what do they call it? It's a main kernel task in computer language. A kernel task keeps your computer running in the background, keeps certain things going without you paying attention to it. And, uh, one of the main tasks is stay alive. And for that to happen, you have to have judgments. Now, that might not be the type of judgment you were thinking of. But there's other, there's other judgments. But the first judge is coming from the brain. And it's making a decision on your value system. So a lot of times people say, you know, oh, don't judge. You know, don't make any judgments or um, try not to be a judgmental person. And the reality is that's impossible because our life is filled with judgment, with decision making. It's just another way of saying decision making and decision making up based upon a set of values that we prefer over another in a value hierarchy. Some things are more important than others. So for example, the, what I like to tell people within like the first 20 minutes of a conversation about judgments is, you know, who, you know, people who don't like people who don't believe what I'm saying, I go, well, um, I can look at your value hierarchy, hierarchy right now and see that we both made the same decision this morning. You know, we both decided to, to wear clothes outside. Why aren't we like, why aren't you naked right now? And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. But deep down inside, there's a value hierarchy that says societal rules say to wear clothes and that's appropriate. And so I, I go and do that. If I don't do that, then my something about my survival is compromised or something about my value system is compromised, right? So it's a judgment that we make subconsciously. It's, we no longer have to really think if that's a good idea, 
we now get into the nuance, the details, the minutia of what kind of clothes am I going to wear? That's the next judgment. We can skip certain judgments and move on to the higher one of, of more importance. Now, what kind of judgment are you referring to? Okay, so I guess this is where the quote comes in. This is from Carl Jung, and it goes as follows. Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst in him is accepted too. No one can bring this about by mere words. It comes only through reflection and through the doctor's attitude towards himself and his own dark side. If the doctor wants to guide another or even accompany him a step of the way, he must feel with that person's psyche. He never feels it when he passes judgment. No, oh, that's a deep one. That's tough. I like that. I like Carl Jung. So what do you have to say in terms of that kind of judgment? Or like anything about that quote? Right. So that's the kind of judgment you were talking about. So we talked about the base level of what a, what a judge, where you asked me where judgment comes from. That is essentially where judgment comes from. Okay. The next level of that is projected judgment or projection, right? Or let's see, is there another term for that? By example, I mean, <laughs> I think my value hierarchy is better than your value hierarchy. Okay, that's what Carl Jung is talking about. The kind of judgment where it's personal and that's stupid. That's where judgment is inappropriate. That's where we're projecting our values on someone else. And that's not ideal because that doesn't make any sense. That's illogical. And I think he's talking more about empathy, you know, because if, if you have a, if you have a client, if you have a friend, if you have a family member, if you have a partner and they're telling you something and in order to guide them or help them in some way or, or lend support, you reflect on your value system and provide an answer from that and project that on them, that may not work so well, right? Because people are different. So it's a very clear, it's a simple answer, right? People are different and this, what works for you may not work for someone else. But uh, what you have to do in that situation, especially if you're a, a teacher, is you have to remove your own value hierarchy sometimes. Like you have to get rid of judgment for a moment and not process anything and just kind of be there for a second and, and understand it. And I think Jung wants the teacher to not only understand the nature of pain and suffering, but also go through it yourself. And, and I think, I think that's why sometimes I say like, with a suicide, an attempted suicide, or someone who is depressed, or an alcoholic, or a drug addict, or something like that. <clears throat> That's where someone tells me something about that, or I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. And 
there's no like processing of values there. There's no judgment. It's just acceptance. And it's like, yep, that's happening. Like that's a thing. And I get it. It's not like, okay, what's, how can we fix this? That's not necessarily the first step, which that, that, that requires a judgment. How can we fix this? That requires processing of heart values, but without judgment, it's just the kind of Zen. It's seeing things as they are, not as you are, but as they are. Now, go back to the last, I don't have the quote in front of me, but let me hear it again after having said that. Or if part you want, of it. I can copy and paste it into the chat if it sees you. Yeah. Or should I just read it? Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted. Oh, okay. So there's an, so I forgot the quote. So uh, there's an accepted word here. Unless the very worst in him is accepted too. Okay. That's huge, right? That's the no judgment thing. Okay. So when you're, when, when I'm dealing with someone who's depressed, gosh, I remember dealing with someone, uh, having a friend, more of a friend than a client talking to me about their their depression and, and they're a cutter uh, to feel something. You know, this, this kind of person is like losing grips with reality and they're disoriented and they reorient themselves by self-inflicting pain. And throughout our like six-month conversation, I don't think I ever once recommended not cutting themselves. I didn't, I didn't try to fix anything. I was just like, yep, I get it. Like life can be extremely painful, painful and, and traumatizing and weird and awful. And because none of the things I believe in matter at that moment. None of my values matter how life is actually amazing. It's a miracle. Every moment is like, are you kidding me? But that none of that stuff matters because that person is nowhere near what that even means. So there has to be an acceptance of, yeah, you know, I've been there where I could, I've definitely, like when I was telling that story of, uh, Helena and I were in the line for Whole Foods and uh, there was an alcoholic bum in front of us and she was drinking wine out of a broken bottle. And like with each sip, she could have cut her lip open. And I was like, yep, <laughs> I get it. And Helena was like, Oh my God! Can you you believe that, Raj? Like that's awful. What what's going on? And oh, what a terrible person. You know, she was she's your typical gal. And um, I mean, most people are gonna like kind of be off, be off, uh, thrown off track from that, be put off from it. But it takes a certain mind that doesn't have to judge to find that okay, and and to bring that person closer. So that, that part of themselves has to be accepted. That's what he's saying there in that first snippet. He goes on to say, 
No one can bring this about by mere words. It comes only through reflection and through the doctor's attitude towards himself and his own dark side, right? Okay, that's what I'm saying about you have to kind of experience that for yourself and be in a painful, painful position, come out of it, and then be able to say, you know, I could easily go back to that. Because we all can, because life can easily turn dark. If the doctor wants to guide another or even accompany him a step of the way, he must feel with that person's psyche. He never feels it when he passes judgment. So if I were to say, I am not in a state where I, I would drink out of a, a wine out of a broken glass thing. Well, that's actually not true. But, you know, if I felt that way, how could I possibly help someone who is willing to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Then there's like a superiority, inferiority thing, and, and the two people don't make sense. So that's, a, that's a, a very beautiful thing. That kind of judgment, it's the same judgment, right? It's a passing of values from one to another. And the accepting, the, the, the assumption, assuming that this person is going to pick up on my values. And when that doesn't happen, then we have conflict, right? That's how relationships get into a conflict. You know, we've talked about that before. It's, it's essentially, you're not judging like I judge. So we have a problem. And, and that's, that's, that can be avoided by recognizing that everyone is in a different place. All those places are good and necessary. And so the more Zen you can be, the more mystic you can be, the, the more, I think Kashi would say, radical acceptance. The more radically you can accept everything as being necessary and good, you will stand apart from the majority of humans. Because a lot of people are walking around thinking that their judgments are good, sound, and that's how everything else should be. You know, you could be upset at Biden, right, for running America in a weird way. You could want Trump. You can be not like Trump and want Biden or whatever. You can look at left. You can look at right. Or you can step back from everything and say, well, the, the country is just going in this direction that's their fate at this time. The timeline, if you zoom out far enough, has room for both ideologies. I mean, it's, and so if you look at the timeline of someone's life, it has room for all ideologies. It has room for everything. And ideally, we stress upon the depressed individual that we want you to keep living even in darkness. And that's a hard thing to convince someone. We want you to keep going, even if it's the most painful thing you've ever done. Because we want to experience more ideologies throughout your life. We want to change that. And sure enough, by not judging of the cutter and, and just kind of empathizing and being a friend, um, this, this young woman... Uh, grew out of that phase and um, sort of, you know, changed her style. She, she changed her values and 
kind of grew out of that. And that's an ideal situation. And you usually don't have to mention how bad of an idea that cutting yourself is. You, you just need to fill the void, which is, you know, lack of friendship, lack of, lack of um, love, lack of acceptance in that person's life. And then the, the wrong sort of writes itself. Could you go more into depth on depth on that and what you just said about the love, acceptance, and everything? Yeah, I think I've been doing that wrong then because I guess I start. I don't judge when a person when someone tells me something, but then I think I start imposing my values on them instead of that acceptance and love because I think I know what the right answer, like solution for them is, and then I tell them that. But that's, from what you've just said, that's, I think, imposing my values on them. And the better way of doing it would be what you said with love, acceptance, filling that void. So, well, yeah, I'm, could you go more into depth on that? Yeah, I'm really glad you said it that way and came up, you know, talked about that example, because it, it is case specific, for sure. Um, it's, it's not always the case. Like, look, if someone comes to me and says, hey... Do you think it's better to carry a plastic bag or a paper bag? <laughs> and oh, I start getting into like friendship and acceptance well, look, in my life, I mean, friend. Let's start with our heart. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they're both good bags. The reality is, I would say paper and move on with my life, right? So if we get hung up on certain judgments, certain processes or kernel tasks, we, we won't be able to move on from that. If I every day have an argument with myself about whether I should wear clothes or not, I will never actually go outside because I'll be stuck with a decision process. Um, but I'm moving on from clothes are okay to what kind of clothes. And clothes are okay never becomes a decision again. It's just the way it is. Unless I go into some like wild men's retreat where it's like pure carnal like men around the fire hunting and killing naked, which I don't know. I'd probably that do sounds that. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's case specific. Um, you really have to feel it out. You kind of got to, you, you know, the person you're talking to, maybe they, they either, they either really want your judgment. They want your process and they want advice. Or they're just like venting and um, not really wanting the solutions per se. They're just, they're just wanting to kind of express themselves and say how much this sucked. So there's also, a, there's a blend. Sometimes it's neither. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's one or the other, right? So I'm sure, Rokas, what you're doing is not wrong 100% of the time. I'm sure it's fine because... If it was wrong, you they wouldn't want to talk to you anymore. Like they would just be like, "Well, this person doesn't get me," you know. And some people are expressing a problem so that you can help them with a solution. But sometimes, if it's a severe enough case, your solution will not help at this time. We need to we need to first let the person know that you get it. Right. Like just like this first pair, this first sentence, the patient, and you can put his, 
put in, take out patient. Uh, the friend does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst in him is accepted too. So there's a step-by-step -step process in this quote. It's first, accept the dark side of it. Be one with what they're talking about and understand it fully. Because you have to know yourself that you could go where they are right now very easily. Um, and then start to, instead of passing judgment right away, accept, get in with that, become one with it. And coming out the other end is when we would apply. So what can we do better about this? You know, now that we've accepted paper and plastic bags are both valuable and they both hold things as a container, you can kind of see that the world is kind of moving with paper because it recycles more um, plastic kind of is bad for the environment. But if you said that first, they'd, they'd, they'd be like, well, I just wanted to explain my dilemma. I didn't really want to answer to it. So if I had said, you really shouldn't cut yourself, you know, the, this young woman would, would have nev never again revealed her true self to me because I'm obviously not aware of her pain. First, I have to let her know that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't cut yourself in this monstrous world, and especially your world, which is the worst. And once you, once you enter their level, you know, then you're like both looking at each other without clothes on right? You're like, you're, you've both surrendered to judgment. You've accepted each other. And then you can actually be yourself because you know that the person won't judge you. And what comes next? Well, um, what comes next is usually uh, either a friendship, a mentorship, uh, a relationship of some kind um, that stems from a value hierarchy. Right. So the funny thing about judgment is that uh, everything is based on judgment. Uh, we live a life that is judgment. Without judgment, we really wouldn't do anything except die, probably. So to live, we need to judge. And what comes next is the agreement or the approval of judgment. And the friend, the client, the relationship, whatever this person is to you, eventually says, what do you think I should do? So they've, they've let you in. They've let down their guard. And you can, now, you can now pass your wisdom down to this person and pick them up in a different way. So first, you kind of reach down and pull them out of their mess by just helping them. And the next thing is like you, you kind of push them in the right direction um, on their way as they go. And then you let them go. Um, and depending on what kind of relationship is, guides the letting go process. Um, meaning if it's a friend, you know, just stop talking to them when, once they've gotten better, but you stop um, lending advice because this person now can make their own sound decisions. I mean, in, in the world of advice and judgment, we really never want to give any until it's asked for. 
you just waste everyone's time. Oh, and, and there's so many um, levels to this. It's incredible. I was in a meeting on Friday. And the idea was it was a very quick, very brief meeting of, of an introductory nature of a team uh, to introduce themselves to work on a project for next year. A team that, you know, worked on a project last year. It's now like a year later and we're starting another project and we're doing another thing. There's no details that need to be talked about. There's no nothing. It's just high you know, stoked to be working on this with you guys, excited for what we're going to produce. And then someone breaks that sort of agreement and that acceptance and says at the end of the meeting, so what's the next actionable item? Like, I don't feel like we've made any progress. And he's gone too far. He's broken like the boundaries of what the meeting was supposed to be. That's the next meeting. This meeting is different. This is a different nature. And um, we don't want to go too far with our, you know, he's trying to make progress. Essentially, what he's doing is good, but it's not good right now. No one is ready for that. No one has let him in. And, uh, you know, when you're dealing with people, you have to assess constantly, which is a type of judgment. You have to process with your brain, a blend of your brain, ego, and, and uh, spirit and heart. You have to blend all of those together constantly and assess um, how much of one from the other do you use. And that's complicated. And different types of people go different ways with that because that's who they are. But, but the mystic is like a chameleon. They are a blank canvas and the, or maybe a mirror and whatever they're walking around they can reflect if they want to they can change color and shape if they want to to survive better to thrive and so if i meet this type of person i can kind of go let's say i just got out of a rock concert and i meet someone who's into jazz i should be able as a mystic to become a jazz person, like immediately. And uh, if I've just met a very talkative person um, and I've had become an extrovert for an hour, and then I meet someone who's kind of an introvert and they're kind of into doing their own thing and I want to get on their level, I should be able to do that. I should be able to go back and forth. If I want to be this type of um, adaptive um person and uh there's actually an interesting thing in uh, indian astrology or numerology i think it's astrology um where um it's called jyotish and um we should have nandi again to talk about this there's a set of numbers that can be read for your birth chart so when you were born the stars were in a certain position and that's how I'm a Leo. And that's how Rokas is like a Gemini or something. I don't know what you are. Virgo. There we go. All right. So we have a Virgo and a, and a Leo 
And the reason why that is classified that way is because the stars were in a certain place and, and that timing and those stars say Leo or Virgo or Sagittarius or Cancer or whatever. Now there's deeper aspects of what those mean. And there's even a deeper set of numbers that can, that say what kind of character you, you have and what, what, what you're typically going to lean towards and there's two sets and if the numbers are a certain way they almost say that the numbers if they reflect each other a certain way uh, it means that you'll be able to easily be transparent and you don't have a specific set of character traits whatever is in front of you is what you reflect. You become like this chameleon and those numbers can dictate that. So I guess I have those numbers where whatever, whatever thing I need to be like, I'll be like, I can, I can like become a mirror and reflect someone if I want to. Um, and it's very interesting, those set of numbers. And some of them say you're definitely like this or, it can go closer to that kind of uh, chameleon state, but I think we can all like manipulate our own, our own birth chart. I think we can all kind of be like that. If we want to, we have to want to first. Uh, okay. Going back to when you said, when the person lets you in, what if when they ask you for advice, you don't have any good advice to give them you don't know what to tell them is there something you can fall back on to say to them well that ha that happens to me every day <laughs> no well i fall back on just not knowing you just don't know right if you don't know you don't know you know socrates would say that right he would say i don't know but let's figure it out together and we'll come up with an answer. So I kind of lean on that. That's my go-to if I really don't know. Like with Helena, you know, I don't know what's going on with her company, things like that. She'll ask me a question. I'm just like, I don't know. How can I know that thing? Never studied it. What I do know is uh, resilience perseverance if i you know what does your heart say you know what what do you truly want to do because essentially i believe that we all know the answer already and we're only asking to kind of get validation to pull that to make that answer acceptable it's 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 i think it's uh we just go back to what we do know first we make clear that we don't know we're not experts, but Helena knows I'm not a, I'm not a supply chain expert. So what is she really asking, right? What is the meaning behind her question? Well, she's just looking for someone to, to not know with. And uh, so there's, there's another, there's another hierarchy there. There's another base level. There's a surface level. There's a core level. And the question is on the surface. 
but there's another level deeper down inside that we can assess and see if that's really what we're trying to talk about, right? And relationships go through that all the time. There's superficial things uh, on the surface, and then there's what we really are talking about. Um, for example, if anyone asks you what you think of their clothes, right? They're not, that, that, that's a specific question on the surface, and there's a specific answer. But the deeper question is, you know, am I like confident to walk around in this, you know, then then the deeper question is, do I have self-worth? Do I have self-confidence, self-esteem, right? Because if you had that, then the surface level question doesn't, doesn't arise. You know, you look great in anything. So it doesn't matter. And it's not always that deep, but a lot of the times it is subconsciously. So first, fall back on not knowing. You set the stage for, you know, you don't set someone up for failure and say, well, let me research that. You just say, man, I don't know. But what I do know is that if I'm passionate about something, I don't give up in the face of failure. And that may be the answer they're looking for. And that's really, like, that's all I say. Like, hmm. I don't know the answer to your surface level question, but deep down inside as a person, I know that if I'm passionate about something, I won't let something like that stop me. And, you know, it turns out that Helena is not passionate about that anymore and she's ready to move on. So through not knowing, right, one thing, but knowing another, we still come up with an answer together. And that's really what Socrates uh, his, that's what his mission in life was, you know, to, to, to reveal that on the surface, no one knows anything, right? It's, it's, but what's important is that we know that what's deep down inside, we know that answer. And then we figure out the surface thing after. And the people who get stuck on the surface, they, they have ego problems. They, they get, they get in bad places and it's really not very uh, effective or efficient. Okay. That's all my questions. Well, that's wonderful. That was some valuable insights. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Valuable topics, judgment, acceptance, depression, helping others. Yeah. That's, that's stuff that you can talk about every single day for the rest of your life. And it can't get old because that is the nature of life. So good, 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 uh, good stuff. I'm going to have to go back and listen to last week's episode where we had uh, former monk Neela Valen on. I wasn't able to attend and, uh, that one's about self-sabotage, which is very, uh, very important to know about since we all sabotage ourselves from time to time. And don't forget, you can buy Everything is Your Fault on Amazon. Uh, that is a book I wrote about uh, some of the things that I have, some of the experiences I had in life. And... Uh, different things that can help by thinking a certain way and questioning things a certain way. And um, yeah, really grateful to all the listeners. I think Rokas, our, our 
downloads are moving along steadily, like yep. people are listening. Yep. Great, great. I'm glad Rogas is alive and well. And uh, I don't know. See you guys next time. Till next time, Marsh. <laughs>